Everything 3P. And we have received a number of different requests for various topics. And in this case, we're going to talk about the topic of arbitrage. We have an individual that bought a bunch of product that was at a going out of business sale at CBS. And when I approached them, they said, listen, I only bought about a thousand units of this stuff and CBS is offloading 10 pallets of this stuff. Uh, so what, what are my options? And on top of that, if you're the manufacturer, what, what should I have done to prevent something like this? So we have the expert, Dave Howell. So Dave, what do you think about that, uh, that little conundrum? Well, it is a conundrum. I mean, these are, these are the types of things that we run into. So let's back up a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that whole what is arbitrage or retail arbitrage, right? And it's basically buying low and selling high, acquiring product outside of the normal distribution, whether it is um, pallets of this or a store closing and you're purchasing a lot of this product, or you see them every day, they go into the TJ Maxx or the Marshalls or the Ross, the discount box sellers, or the end caps or what we would call the, the clearance aisles in a Walmart or a Target, and they'll open their phone up and they're scanning. And that's, you know, they're acquiring the product legitimately and then they're reselling it at, 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 a, at a higher price. So there's your arbitrage. Now, if we throw this into the mix of today's world, right? And, and we're not gonna talk about, you know, the pandemic stuff. We're not gonna talk about all this different things that, that, that built up to where we're at. We're just gonna really dive in and say, stores now are having a huge adjustment, brick and mortar. And in this case, um, what I believe, and I think it's true, we all know that there's been kind of a little, we'll say minor disturbances in certain cities around this country. <laughs> and that's forced <laughs> certain brick and mortars in and around the pharmaceutical world to close their doors, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, because of those types of things, when it, it, it becomes a loss leader for them to maintain that store open, whether it's because of theft or because of vandalism, whatever it is, well, they're gonna close those stores where, if a store is closing, they're going to liquidate that product. Now, a lot of times stores do, they'll do three different ways they go about that. One, they take all that product and they'll shift it to their other stores. There's a cost for that, right? There's a lot of times they'll have a going out of business sale or store closing sale, and they'll start at 30%, 40%, 50%, all the way up to 90%. And I think the majority of our listeners have probably run into a store when it was at 90% and you have four things that might be from Christmas eight years ago <laughs> because a lot of the stuff is gone already. In this case, and, uh, and I'll pick it up here a little bit. In this case, these stores were going out of business and what they were doing is they were palletizing and liquidating a lot of this product. And in, in the specific case, we have a client who's in the health and beauty. So we'll just say uh, uh, makeup. We'll just break it down to its simplistic term. <laughs> pallets of makeup that they have bought before it ever was a chance to hit the, the retail or the shelf and that store is closed and this stuff went out to I, either it was auction or it was a friend of a friend. I can't remember exactly Maurice how they were offered the pallet of product, but they went and purchased, um, you know, upwards of, I think a thousand units. I think yeah. that's, that's safe to say, right? It was actually 10 pallets and they bought a thousand units. <laughs> okay. So yeah. in that case, so, so now this, this individual third-party seller bought the product legitimately. And I mean, you know, bless his heart, 
we all love that buy low, sell high. Okay. Um, if you can get something at a deep discount and there's a desire or a need for that in the market, well then go and sell it. Right. I mean that, you know, whether you, you hate or love capitalism, I think everybody that listens to our podcasts loves capitalism, <laughs> which is literally to break it down to a simplistic form. It is a buy low and sell high or sell as high as possible. Now, where do you sell that stuff? That's where we get to it. Yeah. It's on an open marketplace, right? It's Amazon. Mm-hmm. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, Maurice, but I think this is what happened um, in this specific case. That store is going out of business. Third party seller bought the product, instantly flooded it with Amazon, right? So now the manufacturer is sitting here. The brand is wondering what is going on on these online marketplaces because they have a very restricted sales channel there. And all of a sudden, in this case, it's not even about how many sellers, it's how much product just hit that market. And they come back and they're, they're asking us the very hard panicky question, how in the heck did somebody get thousands and thousands of units? Mm -hmm. We looked at our, our distribution. We looked at our sales team. We can't, we can't um, validate all that product. Well, you and I go to work. And, and others on our team. And we instantly go, this must be a counterfeit product. It must be expired product. So we, we start conducting, you know, the product buys or we start reaching out. That's when it came down to, oh no, it was a, you know, big box pharmacy that liquidated this product. And he came back, provided all that information for us. Yep. Now we have to go back to the manufacturer and say, We've identified the distribution or the sales area where they acquire the product. Now we're in a position where, um, I mean, you know, he's going to be authorized to sell this product at some level. Now we can, anybody who listens to our podcast or listens to some of the things that I've done when I started this, this agency, any third-party seller from downstream has the right to sell product that they acquired legitimately. Mm-hmm. However, a brand can still dictate at some level how that product's being sold or offered. Okay. So what we now have to go back is we have to adjust that, but that's for a different podcast today. I think what we wanted to discuss is how does a brand protect themselves or, or kind of, you know, how do they head off that, that, that tidal wave, right? That's, that's, that's exactly the point there. They, they just, they wouldn't have bought it. If this, and this was a very legit third party seller and they gave me everything that I needed to to know. But (laughs) the question was, why am I able to get all of this stuff? (laughs) It's illegal. Anyway, there should have been some safeguards put into place. And so the question came about, what are those safeguards that a brand could take in the event of a going out of business type of circumstance? If you know, when you, you, you know, we have some manufacturers that we work with and Maurice, you and I've actually worked with hundreds of manufacturers um, doing through, through processes like this. Really what it comes down to is if you know, you have stores closing and you know, you have um, there's, there's two, there's two big issues when selling on a big open marketplace where you have multiple sellers, right? You don't want the price erosion and then you don't want the consumer confidence to go down, right? Because there's so many sellers. If that is something that actually is bothering you, or it's plaguing your organization. You, if you know these stores are going on the business, my recommendation would be try to acquire that product back. Mm-hmm. If you can acquire the product back, put it. I know it's a hassle, um, and put it back into distribution, 
or move it over to, to uh, you know, another like-minded store, that would be, probably be the best way to go about that. Knowing is half the battle, right? Right. If you, and, and I do know manufacturers that refuse to buy back product, right? Um, you and I work with a clothing manufacturer, uh, you know, we'll call it Arctic Fox. <laughs> um, we work with a clothing manufacturer that um, really we, we, we were able to, to retrieve you know, uh, almost a million dollars worth of product and their, their hands were like, nope, we've already sold that. It would be more hassle to put it back in distribution, resell it, re-inventory it. We just don't want to deal with it. That may be the case. And I understand there's business decisions on both sides, but we have to know if these stores are going out of business, we're going to have to absorb that somehow on the marketplace. Um, and there's only so much that we can do to tell them, no, you can't do this. So what, what, in this situation, you know, we just, you know, work with a third-party seller, work with a manufacturer, get them up to map policy at least. We know it's going gonna, it's gonna to dilute the brand a little bit on the marketplace, but if we can maintain some level of price integrity, at least we're not eroding that, which in my opinion is one of the most important aspects of keeping some level of control on your open marketplaces is eliminating that price erosion. So if it is a good face seller, which this one is, I would say that, we're not authorizing them to sell on Amazon, but let's get the information, how much product, let's go ahead and create a temporary, you can sell through this product at that map price and go there. And again, the very last thing would be, as you and I stated, then you just go and say, okay, I didn't buy it back from the big box. Do you buy it back from him? Maybe mm -hmm. you could do that too. Nobody wants to go through that, but you have to understand in our, in our market, right now across the United States, I, I, I believe more stores are closing than opening up. Now that does not mean more boutique stores are opening. A lot of those right. specialty shops are opening up and there's a big, big desire for that. But these big box retailers, when they close, when you have a, the old, old days, you have a Kmart or Shopco went out of business, you know, you always have Sears, all those, we lived through that. And all of our manufacturers got hit very hard through the discounts on that. You have to make the decision, either be prepared for it, alert your authorized sales channel, and then go ahead and, and just take that little bit of a, of a time frame hit on there or go ahead and buy the product back and then adjust accordingly. You need to make a decision one way or the other, but you need to make sure that you manage it and know about it because mm -hmm. our clients are going to call us panicking. <laughs> and they do. They, they, yes. they often do. And it's good to know that there are some different options and, and strategies that, that could be in place to to make sure that that is minimized. And that's great stuff. And any and advice for third parties uh, as well. So that was for the manufacturer. What if they're in a pickle? They have so much product, they can't survive at MAP. And <laughs> then what? I, I always say that, you know, most third party sellers are, are intelligent enough to know if there's, I call it restricted brands, right? We know mm -hmm. it's not necessarily restricted from Amazon perspective. But we all know that if you go out there and you buy a pallet of Nike shoes, Nike's going to come down on you very hard, right? Yeah. If you if you go and you buy, uh, you know, a pallet of Kate Spade, somebody's right. going to come down and they're going to push on you hard. So ignorance is never a defense. So you 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 have to know at some level certain brands have a much heightened um, brand protection or channel compliance. Yeah. So know it going into it. Um, have a little, you know, put a little research into it. And sometimes 
we all know everybody's using a handheld tool or there's something to, to take a look at that ASIN or that SKU tied to an ASIN on Amazon. If you scan that and you go, oh my gosh, there's only 10, 10 products and only one seller. I can tell you there's a reason for that because mm-hmm. here at Howland Associates, we do a damn good job making sure that that's restricted. But if you take all that product, it's going to be headache. Yeah, maybe you do get to sell that product. Maybe we push it off to use like new because you're not authorized. Maybe it's expired product. As a third-party seller, know what you're buying and know what the ramifications could be because it could be a hassle. It doesn't mean that there's not a meeting of the minds. You and I very much work with brands and third-party sellers to make sure that they can meet in a common area to go ahead and move forward, but that's still a headache. And a lot of times you and I, when we're working or representing a brand, if we reach out to a third-party seller and he tells us to go pound sand, yeah. we are going to take the gloves off and go after him every way we can. Sure. If, if he comes back and he just, and they go, no, I bought it legitimately. I want to sell it. I would love to become authorized. Well, now we can have a conversation, right? So I would say that when you're acquiring these products, it's true to say sometimes it's too good to be true. It might be too good. doesn't mean you can't buy a lot of this good product out there, but if it's there, somebody's going to be watching it um, and somebody's going to go and try to try to clean it up a little bit because no one third-party seller kind of has the right to dilute a manufacturer's brand on Amazon so much that they don't have the right to go at least somehow to try to clean it up or, or negotiate to get the price up or, or, or something of that nature. Yeah, perfect. Well, I love the information and thanks for sharing the knowledge and I'm hoping that it's beneficial to you, the audience. So until next time, we'll sign off and we'll look forward to the next episode. Sounds great. Thanks, Maurice.